The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining. Mike, it's good to see you again. Of course, it's another episode of The Unlikely Innovators. Mike, if I were to say to you or maybe some of your friends in the Sudbury community or indeed across Northern Ontario or even across Ontario, if I were to say some things like giant whale skeleton or the cavern or the waterworks, um, what, what might you think comes to mind? Well, I mean... I think it's, I, I think I know where you're going with this, Steve. Are you talking about Science North? <laughs> well, of course it's Science North. And today we have the new CEO of Science North, which is Sudbury's and Northern Ontario Science Center, uh, Ashley LaRose, and we had a great chat with her. Yeah, no, we, uh, I think we, we could have geeked up probably a lot longer on some of those exhibits. I mean, I, I was trying to like rack my brain thinking about all the exhibits that I, I patronized when I was a kid. And I think we did cross a few of them off the list, but but yeah, it was it was such a pleasure to talk to her. And again, I think what really stuck out for me is is we knew that, you know, she's been at Science North for the last 16 years. But I just thought it was really cool that she went to Science North as a kid. And she said only one time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when she got introduced to all these things that she was thinking about in her head, all the questions she had, that that was actually science that she was thinking about and the process that she was thinking about. And that was kind of crystallized to her in talking to a blue coat. And then she became a blue coat and is now... I guess the in charge of all of the blue coats as the as the incoming CEO of Science North. So I think as you as you kind of said in the outro to, to Ashley is just I think you know Science North is in great hands under her leadership and we're really excited to see see what what her and Science North is is going to come up with in the next uh, coming years. Yeah, and I think without further ado, we'll hand it over to the uh, blue coat in chief, Ashley Rose, CEO of Science North. So we're now pleased to be joined by Ashley LaRose. Ashley is the incoming CEO at Science North, Canada's second largest science center and Northern Ontario's most popular tourist attraction. Ashley joined Science North in 2006 and has held various leadership roles throughout her 16 years with the organization, including Senior Manager of International Sales, Director of Customer Relations and Business Development, and most recently as the Director of Development overseeing the development and implementation of giving programs and major fundraising initiatives, benefiting all catalysts of Science North's strategic plan. Ashley received her honors degree in biology from the University of Waterloo and completed her master's of science at Laurentian University. She is a passionate scientist who spent the earlier part of her career working as a research scientist in cities across North America. Her master's degree saw her bringing cutting edge genomic techniques to the world-renowned freshwater research uh, that was already underway. And in her downtime, Ashley enjoys being outdoors with her son and husband and is a skilled mixologist and pizza connoisseur. And we're now so happy to have her join us on The Unlikely Innovators. Ashley, thanks thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This is just awesome. I really appreciate it. We're, uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting into some of these questions with you. We will go back to the mixologist uh, and pizza connoisseur questions. We'll see those for the end. Yeah. But one of the questions we always ask our guests when they come on the podcast is kind of, you know, their career path. And we'll get into exactly some of the stuff that you've done at Science North. But the one that I always like to open with is, is did you always see yourself in this role? Were you always drawn to science as an early age? Or was it something you kind of found later in life? Yeah, um, and so I grew up in Northern Ontario. I grew up north of Timmins in a tiny little town called Smooth Rock Falls. So um, you can probably picture that there wasn't a ton to do there, Mm -hmm. but what we did have a lot of, obviously, was the outdoors. So we were outdoors kids. We loved to figure out how things work and how they interact with each other. And that's the earliest that I can remember uh, of sort of always being curious. I was definitely that kid 
that drove my parents crazy or anyone around me with the why. Yeah, but why is that like that? And why does this do this? And so um, I think you we hear that a lot in people who are in the kinds of fields that we are. We're just, we're really curious um, and that's such a great quality to have. So um, always interested in figuring things, uh, figuring out how things are connected. Um, but it was actually an engagement with the Science North Blue Coat when I was uh, about 10 where I realized that that curiosity um, was matched by the word science. Like that's what science was. This thing that, you, that you're curious around, um, that has a word, that has a, a name and, and that's what science is. Um, and that's the first time that I can kind of remember thinking, oh, maybe that might be something that I wanna know more about. Um, and then the other really great thing to happen on my path was a really incredible science teacher in high school. So tiny little high school, 40 kids, like five kids in my graduating class. Um, so the teachers at that school were, you know, really special that that was if you were willing to work in a school that small, you're probably, you know, really um, a passionate teacher. And, and I had that in my science teacher. And so we did lots of environmental science um, with him and lots of outdoors being out in the field. And I remember the first time looking at um, like a like a pond water sample under a microscope and like, bingo, this is what I want to do. Um, and then I told my family that I would take biology in um, in undergrad. And they went like, what will be your job? <laughs> uh, because that's not really how it worked back then. Yeah. Like you went to school to do a job. I'm sure mm -hmm. you can probably relate to that. Um, and here I was this kid saying, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Like it's, I want to, I want to learn more. I'm, I'm thirsty and curious and, and hungry to understand how the world works. Um, so like, trust me, I'll figure it out, but this is not where I thought that that was <laughs> going to land me. But so yes, always curious, always drawn um, to science. Uh, but certainly this was not the, uh, the sort of outcome that I could have envisioned when I was a kid. Yeah. And it seems that you may have figured it out. Um, now in your current role, um, you know, when we, when we all start working for, you know, medium and large enterprises, you know, I, at least I never think, you know, someday I'll be the CEO of that place. Um, when you started working at Science North in 2006, at admittedly a more entry level position than the CEO uh, role, did you ever imagine that you'd now be talking to us as the, the new CEO? 1000% not. Uh, so uh, prior to joining um, Science North, I was a research scientist. So I was a practicing scientist in the field, um, working on the West Coast. And ultimately, my northern roots pulled me back and said, okay, it's time to come back to the north. And I thought, okay, where does a, at the time, a female scientist work in Sudbury? And uh, I remembered engaging with Science North and going, well, that might be fun. And the first time that I got to engage um, a visitor in talking about science is when a light went off for me saying, wow, I way prefer talking about it than doing it um, and getting people excited about it. So um, could I have imagined CEO? No. Could I have imagined a long career? Yes. I, um, I remember telling my family like, oh, I met my people. Mm -hmm. Science center people are my jam. They are, you know, where we love our subject matter and a lot of us are experts. We are subject matter experts with science degrees. Um, 
but it's all about getting people excited and connected to science in the world around them that really gets us going so uh, I started off as a blue coat and in fact my first job um, was very glamorous it was to travel northern Ontario in a van <laughs> with bins in the back and I visited schools and I got to be the blue coat in the schools uh, total rock star moment because when you come into those schools like you could be anyone <laughs> and then kids are pumped yeah. you know that class is different that day uh but when you show up with bins of really cool equipment um and you seem to know what you're talking about and you're wearing a lab coat like wow um that was that was awesome and i i knew i would stay in the field uh but certainly could not have imagined that i would get to lead the organization that was unfathomable yeah, when you showed up at those schools, it was even better than the days that they wheel the uh, the TV and VCR <laughs> in, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I and just... I used to, at one point, we had, um when we, we still do, our team still travels with it. We have this portable inflatable planetarium, and it's super cool. And for a lot of these kids, they will never make it to Sudbury um, to see our bricks and mortar planetarium. So this was a really special experience. But of course, I'm a biologist by background uh, and I can learn a lot. But whenever I would do the planetarium stuff, you know, I would do a pretty good spiel and then I would just brace myself that they wouldn't ask any questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you, we, we are subject matter experts, but we're adaptable too. Mm -hmm. I just I, I keep thinking back to when you, you know you said that you had that moment when you were a patron at Science North talking to a blue coat and realizing you know what science was and it kind of clicked for you. So I think even obviously I was thinking about the full circle moment of you having that and then you know taking on the role you have now. But I think ultimately being on the road as a blue coat talking to the students that you did, it was probably that was the full circle moment, right? Because that's kind of okay. what you had. So what I was going to ask you initially was. You know, you've been at Science North now for 16 years, so certainly you've seen a lot of changes over that. But now, now that we know that you've also, you know, visited Science North as a, in your younger days as well, like maybe we could expand the question to not only the past 16 years, but like what are some of the notable changes you've seen at Science North in your life? We could say that. Yeah, um, so I visited our bricks and mortar location once um, as a kid. And so I have, you know, not great memories of that, but man, I remember having fun. And mm. I remember getting called up uh, as a volunteer in our Discovery Theater, because yeah. you can probably imagine if I'm like this as an adult, imagine what I was like <laughs> as a kid and you would be right. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do remember that. Frankly, the um, I wouldn't say here's what hasn't changed. And that is the interaction between blue coats. Our blue coat scientists are our biggest asset and our real value proposition, even in the field, you won't really find another science center in the world that has the ratio of blue coats to visitors like we do. And that's because we believe in the power of that personal interaction. So um, in the field, some of the evolutions we've seen is, you know, a little more uh, automation, uh, a little more sort of visitors can guide their own experience. That's not something you'll really see here. And I, I don't ever predict changing because our blue coats are our biggest asset. So that's something that that hasn't changed. Um, of course, the way we engage um, our visitors has to keep pace to their expectations. Um, you know, where before we could have put a VR headset on the table and had that be the exhibit. Um, now they have them in their home. So what is it that they're getting from us, right? We have to meet and exceed the expectations of our visitors in, in really bringing them something they can't get anywhere else. 
Um, so you would have seen 10 years ago, I might have said, wow, you know, we're introducing virtual reality. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. not enough. Even 10 years later, that's not an exhibit. Uh, and the equipment can't be the exhibit. So mm -hmm. um, really, the, the, the innovations that we've seen are all being driven by our visitors expectations and, you know, changes and evolutions in science. I mean, even at, if you just look at the pandemic as an example, the way we communicated about it at the beginning is vastly different than how we're communicating now. And we need to keep pace with that to properly serve our visitors. Um, so really at the end of the day, any innovations you see are really to make sure that we're giving our visitors an incredible experience that they can't get anywhere else. Well, and I think, uh, gosh, you talked, I talked to anyone still like on the street or, or at a party or something, Science North still has such a, uh, like, it's still so compelling, you know, the, the experience and you started talking about it, but I think if I were to guess the secret sauce must be the blue coats then, because that's, if that's what keeps people coming back time and again, like multiple times in the summer, uh, that's gotta be it. Right. Could you talk a bit about, uh, and if you, if you, if you know too much about it, but that seems like a deliberate decision to the blue coat program to, to make that a compelling experience. Could you talk a Absolutely. bit more about those blue coats? Yeah, it's how we keep people coming back because really every visit, even if the exhibits stay the same, your experience could be different each time. And our blue coats are really skilled at understanding which level at which to engage our visitors. So they may spend 30 seconds with you to just say, oh yeah, the, the, the porcupine is over there. Or they may spend an hour with you and say, oh, you really like porcupines. Okay, well, let me tell you, you know, everything and let's have a conversation. And they have the ability to, to gauge that themselves. Um, it's not sort of destined from leadership to say you have to spend this much time with each visitor. They're so skilled at communicating and at, at understanding at what level they need to come in with each visitor. Um, and that's really special. Even in our industry, the term blue coat is, is very much known to be a Science North brand and part of our secret sauce. In fact, one of my favorite stories, um, I was at a, an international conference in the US uh, somewhere and it was pouring rain and I, I may have stole someone's cab and, and he climbed in the other side and it was very clear that he was you know, not, not from North America. And uh, it turned out we were both going to the convention center. So we deduced we were both there for the convention. And I said, oh, you know, where are you from? And he said, oh, I'm from Kuala Lumpur. Uh, the science center there is called PetroScience. We know them very well. And he said, and you? And I said, oh, I'm from Science North. And he said, oh, blue coats. <laughs> and I can't describe it any better than that. So it's, um, yes, it's something that we're really proud of here in Sudbury, but I think it's really cool for people to understand that it, it's a, it is a globally recognized style and brand. Um, and to your point, it really is our secret sauce. Yeah, I would say it's, uh, I've had some great experience with them. I think for, for my daughters right now, the most compelling thing is, is maple, the porcupine, oh, but nevertheless, yeah. uh, again, the blue coats are always fantastic. Every time we go to either science North or dynamic earth, you know, they'll come right out of their way. I think we've been even on uh, rainy days or not even rainy days, hot days when nobody else is there, you know, you're the only one there maybe in one of the exhibit halls, but they'll come right over and make sure that yeah. if you had any questions or they want to do a demo with the kids. So yeah, they are, they are really great. Yeah. We love them. But on, on that note, um, and I'll, I'll want you to maybe take a journey with me on this question, because I don't know if what I'm about to say makes sense or not. This was kind of a thought that Steve and I had as we were kind of going back and forth. But 
You know, for me, I didn't, I didn't, I moved to Sudbury when I was uh, 15 years old, but I had gone to Science North like many times as a kid living in different parts of Northern Ontario and even Southern Ontario because my parents, you know, went to Laurentian, they lived here initially, and then we moved to London, went around the province, but kept coming back because I had grandparents that lived in Onaping. So Science North was kind of a, a fixture in my childhood. And now that I have kids of my own, I'm taking them to Science North the way that my parents took me to Science North, but I'm also taking my parents to Science North with my kids. And in my mind, like, I just think that that's a unique thing for a community that you don't really have an asset like that, where you can bring three generations, sometimes four generations of people together year round, because uh, we have memberships as well. So like, am I out to lunch in thinking this, or is this actually, in fact, a unique community asset that, you know, Sudbury should be proud of? It's by design, Mike. It, um, it, it, so you're absolutely, you, you've nailed it and you've <laughs> uncovered our little secret here. Um, so no, no, you are, you are absolutely correct. And, and it's actually something that's fairly common in a well-designed, um, what we call a cultural attraction. Hmm. So when you can offer something, so I'll, I'll back it up and I'll tell you the theory hmm. of it. Um, cause I geek out over this stuff, like, like visitor studies is so fascinating. Um, and it's a, it's a well-developed field that we've played a big role in, but I'll, I'll tell you the science behind, um, what you're feeling. So when, when people make the choice to come to a place like a science center, there are five main different motivators of why someone might choose to do that. So as a parent, you're usually playing the role of a facilitator, right? You know, this cool thing is here and you want to facilitate your kids having a really cool experience. You'll probably get something out of it, but it's more so via your kids. It's, mm -hmm. it's sort of, you've played that role. When you look at someone like your parents, possibly, yes, they're, they may not be facilitating, but they're probably getting something out of watching their grandkids enjoy. But they may also be, um, you know, the experience seekers and explorers are another visitor motivator. So they're looking or, or um, a hobbyist. So, you know, maybe they love to garden and they come here and they learn more about gardening. They're, they're sort of deepening their knowledge of something that they already have. Um, or they're just looking for a really cool experience. So anyone who walks through the door falls un typically under one of the five, what we call visitor motivators. Um, and that's why you can all walk out of here sort of feeling satisfied because we met whatever need you walked in with uh, because of the way that we've designed our experiences. Um, and the same with where that's where, again, our blue coats come in as the secret sauce is if you are that expert or that hobbyist, they can, you know, give you as much information as you want to know and, and really deepen the knowledge that you already have. Um, so it is really by design that we, we create experiences to satisfy all five visitor motivators um, so that everybody leaves happy. Um, and it, it is a hallmark of, uh, of a cultural attraction. Mm -hmm. You're not crazy. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that there was some science behind <laughs> that. And that wasn't just Mike streaming his consciousness and hoping that the, nope. the question stuck. So that's good. That's great. Yeah. We yeah. actually love when we hear people sort of verbalize this thing that we know, and then it's like, <laughs> yes, we did it. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, uh, it's a good check for sure. I think, uh, you know, it reminds me so much of, and, and I think it's, I'm maybe paying another compliment, but Mike, I think you were there when we saw uh, one of the gentlemen that used to be part of the Imagineers team at Disneyland. And then they talk about how, you know, this doesn't happen by accident, right? There's, 
there's a, a thought process behind this, uh, but it should seem like an accident to the to the experiencer, right? That this, you don't see the uh, the sort of puppet strings behind the the entire experience. You're just there to enjoy the experience. So I know I've felt that way going to Science North even as an adult. You know, like just just uh, a super dialed in experience. Um, I, I want to geek out with you. Um, I want to take you back on some exhibits. So we played this game in our office the other day because we're all about the same age here and just thinking like, what exhibits have you thought of? Like, especially the, the uh, you know, we could always say, you know, people like, you know, shouting into that thing up at the IMAX and hearing their voice come back. Um, but, but, you know, what, what exhibits in the past have stuck out? I said, I remember going into this giant brain exhibit where you'd walk in and it's a huge brain oh, when yeah. I was a kid. Um, and, and someone else, you know, mentioned something else. If, if I were to ask you, you know, what are some exhibits that you keep hearing about even 16 years later, you know, at the brick and mortar site, what are some of those just, just to have a bit of fun? Yeah. So, um, a really fun thing happens when you tell people you work at Science North. So they want to, they want to tell you their favorite exhibit or they want you to check their nature exchange point balance, um, <laughs> on the second floor. So those are the, the, the like behind the scenes things that people want to know. Um, one of the things that we do here is, um, again, because science, we actually keep a list and we call them hives, H-I-V-E-S, and that stands for high impact visitor experience. These hives are the exhibits that if they go down or if something happens to them, we will hear about it. And that means that if they go down, it's all hands on deck to get them back up and running. So I can give you some examples of those. Um, one is the bed of nails. Yeah. If that yeah. bed of nails goes on, goes down, you will see it in our visitor comments that day. Like really cool, but you know, really sad that the, you know, I would have given you five stars, but I gave you four because your bed of nails was out of order. So bed of nails is a hive. Um, that is just one of those things that we'll never get rid of. The racetrack is yeah. another up on the fourth floor. You know, yeah, we love the racetrack. That's not going anywhere ever. Um, so those those are sort of the classic Science North. Oh, the uh, the sprint track, you know, where you launch yourself at the wall at uh, on the fourth floor at the end of the. So that one as well. Um, so those are the classics, right? They'll they'll never go out of style. People love them. And the best, so Science North uh, turned 38 this year, and it is really um, rewarding. So to your to your previous question, Mike, when we see parents come back with their kids and engage in the way that they remember engaging with their parents, um, and even better, of course, if the parents are there as well, there's something super special about that. Um, or being able to say like, oh, you know, well, when dad was here, you know, it was, it, I did it in this long or, and you know, they, it's so awesome to see that memory come back. And then of course there is the, how tall will you be? Mm -hmm. I was going to say that that has to be a hallmark, right? Because I can think of so many people who said, well, science North told me I was going to be six, yep. two, and I didn't make it that far, but I'm close. Yep. <laughs> the best. Oh and yeah. Then oh, some yeah. of our, some of our colleagues too, uh, just to, <laughs> These aren't hives, I'm sure, but these are these are some of the other ones we heard were obviously the whale skeleton. I mean, that's like, oh yeah, not that you interact with it. At least I don't think you're supposed to interact with it. But then oh, also, yeah, yeah. Oh really? Stay Ooh. tuned. Yeah, 
spoiler alert and then uh the dunk tank mm-hmm. i don't think that's still around but no. it, it... The, the it other was, one that, though yeah. the other one that i remember as a kid too and it's similar to the sprint track was there was a, a staircase yeah. um i guess where like the yeah. on the fourth floor right and you would run up to the top of the stairs and run back down it would it would calculate something for you that but uh but i i i I yeah. think that's one of the, the things dunk from, tank was right behind it. That's yes, right. that's right. But I think that's one of the cool things too, is that obviously like from when I went to science North as a kid, like it's changed a lot and there's a lot of like fantastic new exhibits that are state of the art. But I think what's really cool as a parent is the things that were there when you were a kid, right? Like the bed of nails and the sprint track. So like when you get to be on the sprint track with your kid, trying to beat your kid, and then you're now the sweaty dad walking around after because you've done it 10 times in a row. <laughs> There's something, there's something about that that resonates with you, right? So, Yeah, it's that shared experience. Um, and when you have a shared experience built on a previous experience, that really deepens um, the formation of your memories as well. So it's, there's a reason that feels so good. That's great. I, I know that you already said that uh, we'll be interacting with the whale at some point. So maybe this is something that we can't talk about just yet. Maybe it's part of your plan as, as incoming CEO. So we, um, we, have, some, we have some big plans um, at being able to incorporate some uh, augmented reality with our whale skeleton. But that's all I'm at liberty to say right okay. now. Okay. Well, well, we'll take that. That works. But again, that was another thing when I... W- when I was a kid where you were just in awe of this, you've never, as a kid, like for a lot of people, like that's the first time you've seen something at that scale. Right. And it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that an animal like this could exist in the, in the, in the wild. Right. So again, that's always something I go back to. And whenever my girls go in there, it's like, we talk about the skeleton. Um, but what I, what I wanted to ask you is obviously, so we'll put, we'll park the augmented reality, uh, whale skeleton for now, but as incoming CEO, I, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you have planned and you can't share everything, but can you give us uh, maybe just a, an overview of what your vision is for Science North now taking on uh, this role as incoming CEO? Yeah, I mean, the, one, of the, one of the really cool things about sort of coming up through the organization and being someone who was part of the team already is we just launched a really great strategic plan um, like a month ago. Uh, and so it, my big vision is just really implementing and overachieving on this strategic plan that we've already developed. Um, and it's, it, we did it in a really different way. So, um, we created, you know, as scientists, we created catalysts in our strategic plan. And these are elements that will sort of, we have all these big ideas. That's literally what they're called in the plan, big ideas. And they're supported by these catalysts. And so the catalysts are things like innovation. So it doesn't matter sort of which area of the organization we're working in, they will be supported by an innovation strategy. And that's getting everyone on a shared vocabulary around innovation, making sure we're resourced around innovation, you know, celebrating ideas that maybe don't make it to the floor, um, and, and really shaping the culture of innovation here at the Science Center, um, because that, I mean, you know, that's great subject matter for what we're here to talk about today. Um, so for me, as the new CEO, with this great strategic plan, it's about supercharging these catalysts um, to better serve our visitors and our communities. Um, we don't do the work that we do alone, you know, uh, your, yourselves are partners with our organization as well. 
Um, and so, and I'm a real believer in diverse perspectives and, and bringing partners around the table and collaborating, you know, always gives you a better result. And so that's another area that I'm looking to supercharge as well is how we bring people together to create, you know, a, a broader community around innovation and engaging people of all ages and all across Northern Ontario with innovation um, and just inspiring them, inspiring them to connect with, you know, there is science in our everyday life and uh, we, we need to get them connected with it so they make better decisions, you know, around things like health and climate action and sustainability. And um, we have all the tools. It's really about bringing people together and uh, and seeing what we come up with. And here, I thought you were going to say we're committing to a third snowflake on the grounds of Science North, but... Uh... <laughs> well, <laughs> funny that you say that, not at Science North, um, but we are in a design phase right now, a schematic design phase to build uh, two new science centers in Northern Ontario. So one wow. in Thunder Bay and another in Kenora. Wow. So not a snowflake here, but the appropriate shaped building uh, up in Thunder Bay. And then um, an addition to the Discovery Center in Kenora. So we really do live and breathe uh, not being science Sudbury, but being science North. And uh, that's the next phase in our evolution. So um, bringing the great experiences that we do here up to uh, Northwestern Ontario as well. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, then there's that uh, th that uh, sort of barrier of distance just sort of melts away, right? One of the sort of last things we wanted to ask you, since you mentioned it in your bio, is uh, being a skilled mixologist and a pizza connoisseur, and obviously looking at it from a from a biology perspective. So, what might be your sort of go-to mixed drink, and how do you make it? And then, what is a secret to a great uh, pizza? Oh man. Well, we could have spent the whole time talking about this. So I'll, <laughs> that's I'll that's the unlikely best. innovators after dark. That's yeah. a different, yeah, that's no a different podcast. I that yeah. was a different show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, I think like most people, the pandemic certainly sharpened my at-home entertaining skills. Um, and so my, my husband and I both, um, we love tequila. Um, I, I wouldn't be as bold as to call ourselves connoisseurs, but uh, certainly we do enjoy it. Um, and, and like everything else, the secret is balance. Um, so, you know, a great, a great drink right now. I am crazy about a drink called the, um, siesta. So it's, um, tequila and Aperol actually. Ooh. So they, yeah, if you bought that bottle of Aperol to make your spritzes yes. and over the spritzes, mix it with tequila and some soda and a little bit of grapefruit juice, uh, it makes a, a beautiful, looking drink um it's called siesta for a reason though like <laughs> one or two and you're out yeah. yeah yeah but highly recommend that one um and then a pizza so we invested in an at-home pizza oven an outdoor oven over the pandemic like a lot of people did uh and i'm not ashamed to say i hopped on the sourdough bandwagon uh full covid 19 you know all of the trends i did them all um including the uh, the sourdough so uh the crust definitely is one of the the um the secrets there and like holy science i had never uh done anything like that before and when i learned how to do the sourdough i thought that was pretty cool um i was the only one in my household though that thought that it was <laughs> as cool as it was um, and so, you know, good crust and high temp and good ingredients. Um, we like them simple, uh, but it, uh, it's something people love, you know, it brings people together and they love to see the process happen. Just like what we do here when people get to see, you know, we pull back that curtain on science and we show them that it is accessible 
and it is all around you um, and it's something that everybody can relate to um same for cooking so uh i think that's probably why i love it so much that's well, awesome speaking of ingredients uh from a scientific perspective of course does pineapple belong on pizza settle this once and for all <laughs> of course it does Science. yes yes Science. of course it does i agree <laughs> I, yeah, I think we're all, we're all on board. I mean, I, I think it does. Steve thinks it does. And clearly you do as well. So, I mean, that's good enough for me. So the unlikely innovator yeah. is a pro pineapple on pizza podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That needs to be in your, in your description. Yeah. yeah it'll be cool. in the liner notes for sure. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, listen, Ashley, uh, it's it's been so great to meet you, and uh, I think it's safe to say, and Mike would agree, that the sort of uh, future of Science North is in good hands, and uh, we're really happy uh, for you and 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 for 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 you taking on this position and guiding what is a sort of a jewel uh, in our region uh, into the next sort of uh, the next sort of era. So uh, we'd like to thank you for being on the show today, and we look forward to uh, to seeing that strategic plan uh, roll out and continuing to make those experiences happen for Northern Ontarians. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. And uh, like I say, we, we are not strong without our partners. So we look forward to working with the rest of our community, the great work that you guys are doing. And I can't wait to see what we do together. Blue Coat in Chief, Steve, That's that was the thing that I was trying to come up with earlier. So... Thank you for uh, for being much more eloquent with your words than I than I could. I wanted to, I wanted to share a blue coat story with with Ashley, but I thought I would save it for one of these uh, our outro. Was sure. um, she she had mentioned how the blue coats are like the secret sauce of Science North and the reason why people keep coming back and why you have such great engagement when people go to Science North. And I kind of wanted to shout out the blue coats because uh, there was a time when uh, and some of the listeners may or may not know this, but. Cambrian had helped, um, you know, with the, the Go Deeper exhibit at Science North. So we'd put together some, uh, well, actually you did more of this than, than, than certainly I could speak to, but in terms of the McLean gallery at Science North, there's a lot of pieces Dynamic Earth, yeah. at Dynamic Earth that are, uh, that are either Cambrian R&D Center for Smart Mining project outcomes, or, you know, some of the things that we fabricated, like the mine cage door. There's also a miniature version of Mike Comito in that McLean gallery that was I was scanned, I was 3D printed, and now I'm in a glass case at Dynamic Earth. And so one day, um, I think I'd taken the day off. So it was the middle of the week, and I had some time to kill, and I took Zoe to, to Dynamic Earth, and um, we were the only ones there. So, like, the blue coats were all over us because, like, <laughs> they, they obviously needed they needed to, you know, to keep moving and, and, and chatting and engaging, right? So they came over to us. And I, of course, was very familiar with this new exhibit because there were so many curated Cambrian things in there, but I, I wanted to let her do her thing. So she gave me the whole rundown as we kind of, you know, and she's talking about the Center for Smart Mining side-by-side -side EV that, you know, used to be in our shop until it went to Dynamic Earth. And then we arrive at the 3D printed items and she starts explaining, you know, what's in the case and like who this person is. And at that point I said, I, I've got to stop you. That's actually me. And then I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> explain to her why we were here and all that. But again, she did a great job, I think, because they all have to learn about all these new exhibits so they can talk to anybody about it, right? Little did she know she was talking to the actual 3D printed person, but uh, but nevertheless, she did a great job. But I did have to let her off the hook at the end just so that she didn't, uh, she knew who she's talking to, so. Yeah, and I wonder who she ended up having a better conversation with, the 3D printed version or the real version of you? Well, the 3D printed <laughs> version of me doesn't talk back, so I think, you oh, know, yeah. I think probably that version, but... Uh, I can't believe she didn't introduce the little uh, figurine as the uh, co-host to the Unlikely Innovators. I guess we're not at that point yet. 
<laughs> one day. Well, I mean, I think maybe with Ashley's support after, you know, and actually I should say this too, because we don't want to get, we don't get this lost that this was Ashley's first podcast appearance. So, yeah, so I hope well, and I did. I did want to, yeah, we've either set the bar really high or she's going to walk over it with her next, uh, her next uh, booking. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think um, I did want to mention though, because after we cut, uh, she did have, a really interesting uh, uh, tidbit about uh, how her journey sort of relates to the unlikely innovators. As a biologist, she was actually a marine biologist. And one of the first jobs she had was studying orcas. And that required a lot of time on a boat. And she realized uh, pretty quickly into that journey that she gets seasick. So the point of the story was, you know, uh, had she not been seasick, she could still be a marine biologist. But you never know what kind of... Uh, uh, curveballs life uh, throws you. So she likely wouldn't be the CEO of Science North if she ha- had made out okay on those boats. So we're we're glad that happened. But listen to this though. How, what is what is even more unlikely is that you know, despite not being able to pursue a career in marine biology and studying whales, she works at a science center in a landlocked community that just happens to have a whale skeleton <laughs> hanging from inside the building. Again, it was it's not an orca skeleton. I think it's a is it a fin whale at Science North? I don't. I don't know what's a fin whale. I've only like. Is it a blue whale? Uh, no, it's definitely not a blue whale. Those. Is anyway, Ashley's probably yelling at us listening to this, being like, "It's, yeah. it's not that kind of whale." But anyway, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Maybe it's ironic. Maybe not. Maybe I'm probably a using right ar- whale. Maybe it is a right whale. I'm pretty a sure ba- they're a fin baleen whales. whale, like from Finland. Like they have saunas and stuff. Yeah, I think we're. Uh, this is the part <laughs> we're of the digress. show. No, but. We will we will not Google it live like we did the no. couple episodes ago with Casper the Friendly Ghost. That. But before we do go, um, Steve, what is your go-to summer cocktail? Um, Ashley shared one with us that I think I'm going to try now because we are in the middle of the Aperol, spit, Aperol Spritz craze. Um, I am also a tequila fan, so I think that siesta sounds great. But what are you uh, what are you imbibing with these days? Yeah, well, I was uh, as you know. Uh, I make beer, so I've been drinking a lot of beer, but um, I think for a while, uh, ever since we went to the Greek festival a couple of years ago, we were given these really weird glasses that uh, are Metaxa glasses, and Metaxa is a Greek liqueur, and for a while, and now back again, we're making uh, Aperol-infused uh, uh, Metaxa sun tonics. Uh, which you guys can Google. I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I think it does have Aperol and a lot of orange in it, but mixed with Metaxa, uh, which is is really good. So we've been having Metaxa Sun Tonics. So look those up. I am going to look it up, but I will say to the listeners that I was right. The whale at Science North is a fin whale. So you did look it up while you were supposed to be listening to me because <laughs> well, you asked I, me a question. I, I heard everything about Metaxa glasses and you're in the Aperol phase as well. Um, but I had to I had to confirm this. It, it's the second largest species of whale on earth after the blue whale, of course. So so what's your favorite? Uh, what are you drinking these days? Um, well, last summer, again, you asked me these days, but last summer I was big into Mos- uh, to Mexican mules with you know, tequila and ginger beer and, and, uh, not ginger beer, sorry. Uh, no, it was ginger beer, yeah, tequila, ginger, ginger beer, beer and, like, yeah, and a ton yeah. of lime juice. Um, yeah. this summer, I would say that we are, uh, we were partaking in the Aperol spritz, uh, for sure. Uh, but again, I just, uh, a Negroni for me in the summertime is, is unbeatable. Actually year round it's unbeatable, but, uh, yeah. but it seems like these days after work on a Friday, you can't beat it. Yeah. 
Aperol has such a beautiful color too, right? Yeah. They make a beautiful looking drink. So uh, the cool thing about the Sun Tonics are they came with they came with these little shot glasses that sit on the side of the cup. And uh, when you pour any liquid into it, they have a light. So it actually looks like a sun on the side of the glass. So I feel like you and I have talked about this before. Yeah, it's kind of my go-to. So yeah. yeah. Well, Anyway, uh, I'm off to go to the LCBO. (laughs) No, it was great to have Ashley on. It's actually nine in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Calm down, Steve. Yeah. No, but it was great to have Ashley on and uh, can't wait to see what she has in, in store for Science North. Yeah. Well... Thanks again for joining us on Unlike the Innovators. We'll be back next week. And thanks to our guests, Ashley LaRose. The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining.